A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. why i've never started a podcast that way what am i doing let's try that again hey there you're listening to a tiny revolution a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives i'm kevin garcia and welcome to another episode episode 73 to be precise um i'm just so giddy because do you guys know what today is it's october 3rd and as we all know if you're if you are a devout homosexual like myself you'll you'll know what today means because um Today's the day that Aaron Samuels um, asked Caddy um, what what day it was, and she responded like this. On October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. It's October 3rd. And conversely, it's also a Wednesday, and you know what that means. <laughs> On Wednesdays, we wear pink. So I'm... I'm truly thrilled about that, that it's, it only happens once every seven years, and last time this happened, I was at college, so I'm just having a gay old time. Anyways, um, and it's quite auspicious because today I am releasing this podcast uh, for my friend, new friend Jedediah Jenkins, um, because his book, To Shake the Sleeping Self, just came out yesterday. It is incroyable. Uh, I started listening to the audiobook yesterday. He's such a phenomenal storyteller, but we're going to get into that in just a minute. Before we get to that talk, let's talk about what's coming up soon. Reformation Project, you know it's in like two weeks. If you haven't got your tickets, get them now before prices go up to $199 on Friday. Save yourself a little bit of coin, honey. You know that you deserve to come to a place where there's a bunch of queer people. Have you ever worshipped in a room full of queer people? It is life-changing, honey. Not only that, but there are workshops, there is worship, there is keynotes, there is time to connect with other people like yourself. So if you haven't already, go to reformationproject.org slash Orlando, get your tickets. I will see you down there, my friend. I'm super, super stoked to be there with you. I'm going to be doing a panel. I'm going to be leading worship. I'm going to be running around with a chicken with my head cut off because I work for TRP and we got so much shit going on that day, but it's going to be great. So I'll see you there. Additionally, if you are going to the QCF conference or the Q Christian Fellowship National Conference in January, tickets are on sale for that. Go ahead and grab those tickets before they are gone. It's going to be an amazing time. I cannot wait for it. I think that's everything I have going on. Um, I love you. Thanks for being with us today. So today on the podcast, we have my new friend, Jedediah Jenkins, who is an incredible human. He's got such an amazing story. And his book, To Shake the Sleeping Self, just came out, but a little bit about him and the book. Um, on the eve of turning 30, terrified of being funneled into a life he didn't choose, Jedediah Jenkins quit his dream job and spent the next 16 months cycling from Oregon to Patagonia. And if you don't know where that is because you're shitty with geography like me, that is the southernmost tip at the end or at the bottom of South America, which is also like the what's called the bottom of like the inhabited world which is insane. Um, he chronicled this trip on Instagram where his photos and profound reflections on life soon attracted hundreds of thousands of followers, got him featured in National Geographic and the Paris Review. In this unflinchingly honest memoir, Jed narrates the adventure that started it all, the people and the places he encountered on the way to the bottom of the world, and the internal journey that prompted it. 
As he travels these cities, mountains, and exotic locales, Jenkins grapples with the questions of what it means to be an adult, his struggle to reconcile sexual identity with his conservative Christian upbringing, and his belief in travel as a way of waking us up to life back home. A soul-stirring read for the dreamer in each of us to shake the sleeping self is an unforgettable reflection on adventure, identity, and a life lived without regret. And whoever wrote this is just brilliant. Jed, if that was you, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, this conversation, we ca- cover a bunch of stuff. We actually don't talk about the book as much. We talk about the journey a little bit. We talk about growing up queer and Christian. We, gr- we talk about evolving faith. Um, it's just a really fantastic uh, listen. And so... Yeah, let's go ahead and jump in. Grab yourself some iced coffee, which is what I'm drinking right now because it's 8.30 in the goddamn morning, um, and settle in with this conversation with my new friend, Jedediah Jenkins. As you know so well, the podcast space is so full of just like straight white dudes. And especially in my world, it's like straight white dudes who are like, I don't know what I think about Jesus anymore. And and it's just nice to like actually expand that conversation with like other voices. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks you know? for thanks for being here and being you and um you know from from someone who is not a, a straight white man, I am I'm glad to <laughs> be, be something different. Um I, I hit my record button so that I don't forget to do that. And anytime, if something's off the record or you don't want to share anything, you're always welcome to say, uh, I don't want to talk about that or off the record, blah, blah, blah. And then we can continue. So just know that you have that right and privacy and all that shit. Oh, I so <clears throat> appreciate that, even though I am such an open book that I mm-hmm. get myself in trouble. But that I'm <laughs> so Dude, that I'm will the... not happen. But I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, the uh caveat sure 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 um i'm I'm also the same way like i i say things and i listen back there's like hmm probably shouldn't have said that shit but uh whoops whoops, there it is (laughs) okay so sorry go ahead oh no i was just i like i mean i do i will tell you anything about me but as we are human beings who human apes who live in community a lot of the most important things about me have happened in relationship with others. And it's mm-hmm. like some of those people are private or some of those people are, you know, they, <clears throat> I've dealt with this with my mom, actually. Mm-hmm. My mom, And we all have like been so impacted by whatever happened to us in our childhood. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it doesn't mean there was a villain. It's just how it was, right. you know, and that can still wound and, you know, a human ego. Mm-hmm. And I've just like, I, I'm actually navigating that right now. We can talk about this deeper into the podcast, but just how to talk about my family in a way that is my truth, mm. but also protects their right to, I guess, a certain level of privacy. Yeah. It's so tricky because like, I'm the same way with my family. I know that um, uh, when I was discussing a lot of my blog about my relationship to my father, like we, we hadn't talked for three years um, before he died we didn't really have a close relationship at all. And, you know, there's certain aspects of a relationship as we were growing up that were like, you know, abusive in some ways mm. um, because he was a military man. He was uh, a Latino who got stripped of his, uh, of his heritage because he was in the military. Um, wow. And then that translated into all the, and then, you know, out on top of that, me being his only queer child, 
um, and him not knowing how to deal with that or just simply ignoring it. It was, uh, it was, it was, it's very interesting to talk about it. And now that he's like, now that he's dead too, it's also really weird to like, if people say don't speak ill of the dead. I'm just like, I don't really think the dead are concerned, <laughs> but right. I also... it's like, finally your chance to, yeah, if it, <laughs> not if it... ill, but like to speak a certain speak freely. Yeah. Um, cause like, you know, like he can't talk shit about me to my cousins now, so no big deal. Right. Well, um, I don't know. I, there's also like, you can actually process the impact of a human being mm-hmm. in a way when they're no longer with you in a way that if you're trying to manage their ego and manage right. not offend them, you it's hard to actually look honestly at them, especially when you have a complex family, like love relationship or like mm-hmm. wounding all these things. There's yeah. a clarity that comes when they pass away that is, you know, really yeah. hard. Yeah. It's hard and <clears throat> hard, but good because I feel like right, right, right. it's, it's now one of these things where like I was, talking with my therapist about this, how like even at the funeral, like people love to just like deify like their, their loved ones after this. Like, Oh, they were such good people. They loved the Lord. Right. I, was, I was like, listen, I don't know if my father actually earnestly prayed a day in his life. Maybe he <laughs> did at some point. I don't know. But just like by and large, like he wasn't a religious person and that's not a knock against him. That's just who he is. And like, he was right. also a good father to his stepchildren and also a shitty mm-hmm. father to me. He was right. a good husband to his second wife and not so great a husband to his first. Mm. So it's like, well, it's like, and that's right. I mean, you've never been to a place with more revisionist history than a funeral. Mm. Ooh, say that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're just making it up. Cause you're like, well, we got to feel, and it's so quick after the death that people are like, well, I can't, I need to speak really sweetly about this person because <laughs> I went yeah. to a funeral in high school of a tra- the tragic death of one of my friend's dads who committed mm. suicide in a bathtub. Oh. oh. And and the theme of the sermon was I forget his name. It was like Samuel. It was like Samuel loved life. And the whole theme of the thing was he loved life. And I'm like uh, this uh... is weird. Like <laughs> we all know what's happened. Like we all know what happened. This is very weird. Yeah. Ew. But it, that's I know the pastor was like, the, the the thing is, is the pastor of this big Southern church. He probably like has a pre-written sermon for every funeral that he mm-hmm. does like once a week. And he just like is a robot. Yeah. I mean, that's like the grace I give him. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like, he, like everybody loved life. I'm just like, mm, okay. yeah, well, not everybody, not everybody. Um, hard. What should we talk about? Exactly. <laughs> Hard pivot um, to talk about you, Jedediah Jenkins. Um, now that we've had like a very interesting, you know, look into like how we operate in the world, at least like mm-hmm. viewing things. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't know you, doesn't know you for shit, um, you're just some stranger. Uh, mm. um, well, like, okay, you're at a cocktail party. People say, hey, what's your deal? Um, you mm. say blank. I say that I am a writer and a memoirist and i have a book coming out october 2nd and they're like oh my gosh what's it about and then i say well i worked in the nonprofit space for a lot of my 20s i was super evangelical and like gay and hello confused 
And then but, like, I you weren't, had but a... were you like were you gay in those spaces or were you just like same sex attracted like the rest of us? <laughs> I was same sex attracted. 100%. Classic, I, classic, yes. classic. Um, excellent clarification. So I <laughs> I kind of had an identity panic attack and I was like, I'm gonna quit my job at thirty and I'm gonna ride my bicycle across Latin America. We'll start in the US and bike all the way to Patagonia, the bottom of South America. Take a year and a half or two years off and then write a book about it and like be intentional about reflecting on my first 30 years so that I got to get my, I got to figure out my identity and what I believe about stuff because when 30s creeps up on you and right now the person at the cocktail party feels trapped because I'm speaking to them so quickly and they're like, what have I done? But and then, also then like, like you've, rather than just saying I'm a writer, you've gone into detail. No. I've detailed, they're literally like, oh, and they're like body language is pulling away. And I'm like, so what happens when you approach 30 is you start to panic because you no longer can say I'm young. I don't know what I'm doing. 30 is an adult. Mm. And so for me, I had this like existential crisis that I was going to process intentionally through a rite of passage, through travel, through writing a book. And so Mm. here I am. And then, and then I'll let their body language dictate if they're going to be my homie or they're going to run away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i would probably be the person who would say can i grab you another drink let's talk <laughs> right yeah because <laughs> um, like when and, i sorry go ahead i was gonna say and hopefully then i would say so what's your deal you know but probably not i would just keep talking about myself <laughs> good as a as a good um self-promoting um uh a good what is it called a um entrepreneur internet human i don't know what we call yeah. ourselves anymore <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. But my my idol is Fran Leibowitz. You know who that is? I know the name. I don't know the person. I probably okay, should, so She is just like a satirist, writer, vicious comedian. Mm. I don't know if she'd call herself a comedian. But she was like the David Sedaris of the 70s and 80s. Oh, work. And she... There's a documentary about her. She's still alive and well in New York. And mm-hmm. she... And Martin Scorsese thinks she is like... She is his favorite writer slash favorite person. So he made a documentary about her um, a few years ago and with HBO. And it is the best. She is my favorite person in the me I want to be. She just gives zero shits and is so smart and and just unabashedly is like, well, I love talking about myself. That's why I travel the country and do lectures and I don't allow questions. (laughs) Because she's like, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk. I kind of love that so like, much. I don't want to talk with you, which is not my, that's not where I'm at now. I actually still enjoy conversation, but mm-hmm. I hope as I get older that I become more and more um, curmudgeoning. Oh yeah. That's my, that's my whole hope. A true goal. Yeah. Yeah. Like being, um, because right now I feel like I'm a little too welcoming, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's one of those things where I'm just like, for a while, this is actually just over the weekend. Like I used to accept all of my Instagram DMs and just like <laughs> let them come into my inbox. And more recently, I'm just like, you know what? I can decline talking yes. to anybody. I don't have to talk to anybody I don't want to. And I'm like, that for oh me was God, like, I, it's, power. it's a huge step. I'm just like, you know what? I don't have to respond for once. Although no. I do, my favorite thing though is, um, Cause like usually the things coming into my inbox are like questions or like, can you fix my life? Which answer, uh, probably not. But if you pay me, I will coach you. 
into yeah. fixing your life. Not that I'm like a life coach or have any credentials, but just like I feel like I've got decent advice and a good therapist yeah, to help lo- me. And and we like money is nice, so yeah. Oh, like pay yeah. me, I'll give it a go. I'll do anything. Yeah, I'll do I'll do anything if you pay me. Not anything, yeah. but like yeah, most things. I won't murder someone else, but I'll do a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get real close. I'll I'll scare them to the point where they think I'm going to mm-hmm. kill them and then not do it. Yes. Um. If any if any uh, law enforcement is listening to this, um, Jedediah's um, address is as follows. Just kidding. <laughs> um. Uh. So you've uh, you've written a book. It's coming out October second. It's called "To Shake the Sleeping Self." Subtitle: A fourteen thousand mile bike trip and one man's quest to live a life with no regrets. Not a single letter. Um. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Fourteen thousand. So. I could go in a thousand different directions. Um, Catalyst. Look, okay, why why bike? Why biking all the way down to South America? Um, you already told me. I, I think that, that your catalyst was like you hit 30 and you were just, holy shit. I, I, need- I saw 30 coming and I was like, I want to do a rite of passage. It was also, I realized in my 20s, like for a lot of people, your 20s are an exercise in figuring out what you're good at. What are your skills? Like, you don't know. So you try stuff and you were like, oh, I've actually learned I'm really organized or, oh, I'm actually learned I'm a great public speaker or mm-hmm. whatever, or I think clearly or whatever the things are. Like, as you do stuff, you learn what your natural giftings are. Mm-hmm. In, in my 20s, I learned that I was and I really enjoyed articulating ideas in writing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, OK, well, I want to become a writer then. That's like. That's my, my dream. And then, you know, in your twenties, I'm also like, I'm too young to write a book. Like, especially a memoir. Like that just sounds annoying. Like a 27 (laughs) year old being like, I've lived, you know? And so I decided, well, maybe if I do something objectively interesting yeah, and go on an adventure, then even if I'm not the best writer, Mm-hmm. Or even if I don't have the most wisdom to share, an objectively interesting story adventure is going to at least be worth your time. Mm-hmm. It won't. Be, it won't embarrass me. There's a <laughs> Benjamin. There's an, a Benjamin Franklin quote that says, "Either write something worth reading or do something worth writing." Mm-hmm. And and I was like, okay, well, if I can do both, then I like slam dunk. Yeah, it's so, so sporty of you to use that term, slam dunk. It, I don't even know what it means. Um, And so I met a guy when I was in Uganda Mm -hmm. who had ridden his bicycle from New Jersey to Buenos Aires. And I was like, literally a light bulb went off and he was talking about it and the speed of the bicycle. It's like much faster than walking. And yet you're not in the bubble of a car or Mm -hmm. like separated from the world. You're in the world. You can stop on a dime at any moment and talk to somebody, but you're moving pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm, I've always wanted to go to Patagonia. It looks like my adventure fantasy. Mm-hmm. And it's the bottom of the world in terms of like the history of humanity, you know, humans starting in Kenya or wherever we came from mm-hmm. and then spreading around the world over a hundred thousand years. The last place we ever got was Patagonia. So it's like, I don't know. There's something mystical about that. Yeah. Like and the completion like, wow. of humanity's journey and the completion of your own. 
Exactly. Like how cool. So, so that's what I did. And then I came home and really tried to like work out and process what the hell just happened. Mm-hmm. And this, how long did this, how long did this trip take? 16 months. Mm. So in the, in the course of 16 months, um, I mean, I'm sure it was just like physically hard because like you're outgoing and you're outdoors. Like what was your sleeping situation? Like, did you stay in hostels? Did you camp out the whole time? Um, lots of camping, lots of hostels, lots of host homes. Hmm. And I mean, that's pretty much it. And then sometimes there's none of that stuff. And only there's like one, you can rent a room in a house or like there's a little hotel mm-hmm. or something, but it was, we would just kind of mix it up because, you know, you camp, camp, camp. And then you're like, if I don't shower soon, it, we're going to have a problem. And I had, I had a real goal of looking presentable, hmm. you know, like these backpackers and a lot of these adventure people, they, their beard grows out, their hair gets, I don't have any yeah. hair, but like their hair gets long and they look, they look like they smell. Yeah. You know they I mean? look, a, they look a hot mess and it's really gross. Right. And, and if I'm trying to have some sweet family invite me into their home to stay with them on like couch surfer or something, I need to like, look like I might have a job. You yeah. know what I mean? Or I might look like I am not going to rob them blind. Right. Or Yes. Or leave some sort of oil residue on the chair. And Ugh. so I always shaved. I always like made sure my clothes were kind of clean. I brought up, I brought like button up short sleeve shirts to like look like a person. So mm-hmm. I was intentional about that. Even so much as I, I brought fake glasses, like Warby Parker glasses with um, <laughs> clear lenses. Yes. So that when I, when I would have to hitchhike, I looked very non-threatening. That is so smart. Yeah. <laughs> I was huh. just like, I if you're going to pick up somebody on the side of the road, mm-hmm. you want them to look like a sweet nerd and mm-hmm. not a, you know, dangerous potential mm-hmm. drug addict. Yeah. That is also my Tinder bio. <laughs> sweet nerd, not a potential drug addict. <laughs> not a dangerous... Yes. I don't know why I haven't got any matches recently. So, you know, <laughs> questions all around. I know, um, you know, got to tweak it. I really do. So, um, God, like you're, I mean, what, like, what, like if you were to pick like the way, like what, what changed you? How did this change you? Like, I know that's like a big broad question that you can take in any direction, but like there's, that's the one that's coming up for me. It's just like, obviously like, there had to be some sort of delightful life lesson or something that just hit home and you're like, ah, this is clarity about life. Yeah. I would say I didn't know what was being changed in me as it was happening mm-hmm. because it happens too gently. If I, I didn't have some like lightning bolt, it was, you can't watch the tide change, you know, you, but if you stop paying attention and look back, something's different. You know what I'm saying? Ah. That's kind of, that's what was happening is like the tide went out of my life. Meaning I, I would get into really intense conversations about faith with my buddy who biked for most of the trip with me, who did not believe in anything Hmm. or he, or he just was always searching. I wouldn't say he didn't believe in anything, but he definitely didn't believe Jesus died for his sins, you know? Mm -hmm. So we would get into these really profound conversations and he's a very fucking smart person. And so 
it just like he was dismantling things, you know, piece by piece. And then I was like putting them back together and I was like feeling, I don't, I, I was feeling a lot, but I, I didn't have language for it yet, which is mm. why I like encourage people to both journal and then process and like write about your life. You don't have to, and don't always write about it the day it happened. Like, oh, uh, yes. Actually write about, you know, you could be 30 and say, what did I learn? Like, what was college like? What were my 20s like? And intentionally process the past. Mm -hmm. And things happen. Clarity happens. And you see how much you've grown. You don't Mm -hmm. feel like you're on such a chaotic journey. Life, the, the... brush stroke of the meaning of life really becomes clear mm-hmm. clearer and yeah. so I, that's that the process of over two and a half three years of writing this book um really did that for me and not just the bike trip but the book is about a lot more than a bike trip it's about my whole life and about mm-hmm. growing up in the south gay evangelical all those things and mm-hmm. processing processing identity yeah so it's really a special thing to do to like intentionally process your life yeah and also just like i think with this journey that i find so interesting is you know being i mean being gay evangelical and in the south it's like a whole uh i don't want to say trope um but like there's so many similarities in people's stories that come with that and then to get out um to get out of those spaces and do something on your own terms. Cause like, at least for me, like I ran away and became a missionary. So still like ingrained mm. in those spaces like that. So I thought like going, running away, chasing after God, whatever fucking language I was using for it. Um, mm. but, but like, I think what you said really hit home is that like 99% of the time, you're not going to see the growth in the moment. Um, like everyone's just like, I want my whole life to change right now. I'm just like, your life cannot change right now that's not how it right works. nothing works i mean destruction can work like that you can find out that your boyfriend's been cheating in a moment you can find out you know but creation rarely happens in a moment mm. a garden doesn't just wake up and grow it like grows mm-hmm. but you can fucking knock that garden down with us with a hurricane in one day mm. but actual growth Mm-hmm. is exactly what the word is which is time incremental change and, and then on top of that also fostering the kind of change you wish to see like if you're building a garden have you tilled your soil are you, right are, is are you ready to receive the word you know if we're, if we're going to get yes. biblical with it are you ready to and then on top of that are you willing to wait that's mm. another thing too like are you willing to wait on the the kind of change that growth will bring the kind of change you know that god wants to bring to your life because if if all you're wanting is just the fruit of labor without the labor itself that's cheap grace 100 percent. and if if you get the fruit of labor without the labor itself you there is always a counterfeit cheapness to it that you will never understand what it actually is Mm -hmm. and it won't convey the benefit on you that it's meant to yes you're not going to get all the nutrients. Cause like, that's like 
if we're going to continue doing like farming terms, like that's the stuff that like uh, genetic modification of food has done because we have bigger apples. There's less yep. nutrients in them, you know, 100 so- or like you're in a hurry. It's so funny. You're like in a hurry and you're like, I'm going to drink this vegetable smoothie. And then you don't understand that actually the reason vegetables are good for you primarily is fiber and fiber is in is activated and in the chewing of the physical thing. So when you juice it and drain out all the you lose the reason you were having vegetables in the first place. It's hmm. like all there's so many things when we over when we turn everything into convenience and speed and trying to trick the system. It's so funny how we think we can do something, some little trick and beat a million years of evolution. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, like, you know, it, it took how long for us to get from Mesopotamia to the, the, to the bottom <laughs> of Patagonia. Right. Right. A long Unle- time. I mean, it yep. took, it took 30,000 years. Yeah. And it also took like, we we have, what is it like humanity? Homo sapiens have only been around for 20,000 years or some shit. 200. 200 yeah <laughs> listen i'm a young earther so like the earth is only like six thousand years old it's fine oh so yeah 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 yeah, yeah absolutely and, and a flat earther flat earth and also the flood was totally legit although i have a theory which is like totally batshit crazy i know and probably not substantiated for will never be substantiated but ancient aliens man i'm telling oh. you <laughs> no the, that is some real stuff like i I wonder, because, like, there's all of these um, stories and epics throughout, like, throughout different world religions and cultures about some sort of massive flood that happened. What if that massive flood knocked out the ancient aliens or whoever, and we just happened to crawl out of our caves at that time? And then then that story just kept getting passed around, and we stumbled onto these ruins or, like, you know, figured out their technology. I don't know. I love, I love that theory. But yeah, this is, this uh, is the thing when you expand, here's what's so fun when you, and I don't know, I'm, I'm inferring from the way you're talking about your faith journey, but I know mine went from an entire life of obsession with certainty of finding right mm -hmm. dogma, right interpretation of scripture. Are you, are you in the in group or the out group? Are you actually hearing the Holy spirit or are you deceived by the world? Like mm, this was like, mm. are are you in or are you out? Are you in? Or, and as and as I moved away from that, which this bike trip really was a was um I forget who said it, but it was a series of widening circles. Like the circle just yeah. kept getting bigger of include of like, oh this belongs, everything belongs. Wow, oh my gosh, I thought I was supposed to reject that, but actually that has something to teach me. Oh, that's actually wiser than what I had before. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just that's really looking back on my bike trip, what I learned. And I infer from you that that's similar to your experience. You, you become less and less afraid of any idea. So mm-hmm. if it's aliens, <laughs> me, me at 23 would have been like, like that is not in scripture. That is not right. Exactly. That like is such a waste of time. And now I'm like, I don't know how fun if it was like, it's fun to, to like yeah. entertain any idea. I'm just like, prove it to me. Yeah. I'm down. I have no fear of like the truth is the truth. I don't fear it. Whatever it is. I'm not afraid. If we're in an Elon Musk simulation, fine. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't change the fact that I love avocado toast. You know what I'm saying? That's a fucking lutely. And the, Oh, 
I damn, I'm out. That's something. Okay, I haven't had um, I haven't had lunch. I'm like a little hungry right now. That's all I want right now. Oh my um, god, I'm so sorry. Your glucose levels are getting low. No, it's okay. I had a I had a little bit of a cliff bar before we jumped on the line, so we're okay. Um, Thank God. But uh, yes, that that I think is just the journey. I think, and that's also why I think like so many of us like we need to have these kind of epic journeys in some ways, or some sort of like uh, defining moment, whether that is. Um, going on a trip like this like for you i think your trip your journey on your bike was yours my trip was i am gonna run away and go around the world and be a missionary just to realize mm-hmm. that that's not the point that god was god's the, the miracle that so the miracle i wanted when i was going to be a missionary is like i wanted to become straight and if god can open mm. eyes and god can raise the dead and god can like, heal the sick you know then like god can make me straight like that's small potatoes in comparison in my opinion right and so when that didn't happen, like I was waiting and waiting and waiting for this thing. And then it occurred to me, like in, uh, it occurred to me in the middle of, I think, uh, I think it was like last year. It was just like the miracle I was waiting on was like the fact that I, like the miracle is the fact that I'm gay. Like yes. that, like that is like, if I, God's, that is God's commission in your life to like, wisdom and purpose mm-hmm. you know yeah and that, i think that was oftentimes i think people are like looking to run around the world and figure these things out or like they're looking outward for this thing and granted sometimes you have to get away from every single distraction so that you can finally hear what's going on in your body because um, mm. i think that's that's where god speaks the most clearly is like what is your body telling you like what is this thing you know this logos, this word made flesh in you because we are, you know, if I'm going to get like, I'm in the, I'm in a theology class right now. So I feel like super, you know, high yeah, strong. I love the lingo, but just like, if, like if, if we are co-heirs with Christ and you know, that means that this body is the body of Christ as well. This one that I possess is the body of Christ. Yes. And so if this is the body of Christ, what is, what is the body saying? And oh my if, God. So it just, it, it really, and we've been so conditioned to not trust our bodies, to loathe our bodies, to not like how they're shaped or like how they jiggle in some places. And even mm-hmm. like the people who like are the most buff, like are some of the most insecure people I know about their bodies. And so like, I don't know. It is so I do not know anyone in the world that is not insecure about, about something str- deeply. And what what I mean by that is, I mean, I live in Los Angeles. There are like models all around me and they are not only insecure about their bodies and hate random things that is so funny. Like they're like, Oh my God, my forearms are disgusting. And I'm like, hello. What, what? No one has ever looked at a forearm. And I mean, that's my kink though. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I knew it was, but (laughs) And then it's on, but on top of that, it's just transposed. So I don't have a perfect body. I'm far from it, but I feel very comfortable at a cocktail party. I can Mm -hmm. talk myself into any room in any situation. I'm very confident. Yeah. But, but if you put me in a photo shoot for like a thong for a calendar, I would be very uncomfortable. Oh, but I have friends who can crush a photo shoot. They're like, get me naked. Here we go. 
But then if I'm like, okay, we have to go talk to this person. They're like, I want to sob. I can't leave my room. I'm terrified. You know? Yeah. It's just like there's a being human is this fascinating soundboard. You know, those like soundboards in a a mixing, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're doing audio for music order and like you slide the ones up here up and then these have to come down because everything's got to stay like balanced. And so like there's always like a sound balance. I feel like God is like doing that. And so you look at somebody and they might be really high in one thing, Mm -hmm. but there's a there's a cost and a shadow and a balance to that. Mm-hmm. that's real yeah that's um that's a good sermon by the way i feel like <laughs> put that on a ted talk um <laughs> so uh, of the things that like you know you and i probably shared our insecurity about like how much of like dealing with a, a queer sexuality was like the the like the the insecurity and focus of like question when did you come out because i actually don't know that about you i came out to my friends, uh, second semester of senior year mm-hmm. of high school. Of high school? Um, wow. Of high school. And the reason I did that is because I knew I, I lived in Nashville and I knew I was going to college in California. And the at that time, and maybe still is, the stereotype of California is that it's full of gay atheists burning babies in trash cans. It was like the most lawless pagan land, Los yeah. Angeles. Can you confirm so I, or deny that right now? Um, deeply confirm it. Yes. I'm yeah. currently a card carrying member of a trash can baby burner, but, <laughs> uh, Sorry. but what I, I was like, I have to tell my friends I'm gay now because if I go there and lean into this identity, which I know is core to who I am, they're going to think that California changed me. Mm. And so I need them to know that this is who I am and always have been so that they don't have, that's just like how I thought when I was in high school. And so I told them and everyone was so down. They were like, we love you. It's all good. Not that big of a deal. I was like, wow. Did, but I didn't come out to my family for another couple years. Mm. And uh, but what's interesting is I came out, but was very, very much evangelical. I was like, hmm. I am gay, but I'm not going to act on it until I get the green light from God. Was oh, my, same, 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 same. You know, and, and it wasn't like I am gay. This is a sin I must avoid my whole life mm-hmm. through celibacy. It was I am unconvinced in my own perspective because all of my faith tradition is telling me that I'm not supposed to act on this. So I don't feel that they're right, but I do not trust, you know, that damn Bible verse that says the heart is deceitful above all things. Oh my God. Yeah. Fucked me up for a decade because it said you don't get to trust yourself. I need to go unpack that with like a professor or something because I'm just like, what? Like, I don't like verses like that. I never know what to do with them because okay, also, well, because like at the same time, like in another place in, in Psalms, it says like, I, you like, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Exactly. It's like, so like which is it? My life as if it was written in a book. I know. You know, the hair, so, you know, the hairs on my head, honey. Like, what honey, is it? The hairs. So 
that that just really screwed me up because I was like, okay, well, I don't want to trust my own understanding. I want to lean on, but I'm unconvinced either way. So God, like, hear my prayer. If if it's cool to be gay, I want you to send a godly Christian man into my life, and then we'll just run off into the sunset together, and oh I'll my see gosh. that as a sign from you. I feel like, please do not write my memoir right now because like <laughs> that like don't saturate the market, please. I I'll, I I promise I will. Thank you so and, much. And so, and and he never did that, and so I had my first kiss at twenty eight. Mm-hmm. years old because I was just like well I'm a good boy and I'm not gonna screw this up and and I'm super social I'm involved in the church I'm a youth leader I'm all these things I, I'm in campus ministry at college whatever were so you I'm, out at any of that point or you're yes. out to your friends at home so everyone knew and you were this everyone involved everyone knew that I was gay and didn't act on it oh so this was like uh, almost just like you were like sort of choosing into celibacy at this point Yes. Okay. Like, okay. 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 I was like a hero. I was like a gay celebrity. poster child. Yes. I was like an Uncle Tom, if you can make an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And right, so, right. so it was really not until I began deconstructing what it really meant. Like, what does it mean that these like six clobber verses in the Bible are dictating such a huge part of my life? And mm. I, and, and in truth, it really was. Remember when I said it takes a long time to grow something, but a day to destroy it? Mm-hmm. I was 27, and my best friend, my new I had made this new best friend, and he was a, quite a bit younger than me, and he didn't know I was gay. It was kind of a new friendship, and we hung out 24 hours a day, and I more or less molested him in his sleep. Like, cause we would always sleep over together all the time. Cause we, tr- we camped, we did everything. And he would always kind of sleep, walk, cuddle me, you know, like he's just like a mm-hmm. sleep cuddler, which that I has like, happened to me before, you, you know, this, you know, the straightest guy in the world sleep cuddling me and I'm discovering, oh, I'm in love with my straight best friend, which uh, happens to all of us. Mm. And then I was like, that was when I realized wow, I can't just sit around and not deal with my sexuality. This is how Catholic priests become monsters. Hmm. If you bury something, it will calcify into, it will become cancer and it will destroy you. Hmm. And that was really shocking to me because I was becoming someone I didn't recognize because my sexuality, this huge part of who you are, who you love, was being coiled like a spring and it was going to blow up mm-hmm. and that and i mean this guy is still one of my best friends and he was so understanding and it was like hmm. literally so inspiring because he's he's just we just love each other and like and always will but yeah. he, he gave me a lot of grace and forgiveness and but that was just really scary where i was like wow i gotta lock my shit up yeah or not even lock it up, but just actually give healthy expression to it. Because I, yeah, that's when I say lock it up, I mean like, like I gotta figure this out. I can't right. just wait for it to go away because clearly it's doing things in my subconscious and causing mm-hmm. me to act outside of your values. 
exactly. It isn't buried. It's alive. Mm. And when you don't express something honestly, then it, I feel so much empathy for all these men who are sexually fluid or gay who married women Mm -hmm. when they were young out of fear and then who make horrible, horrible mistakes Mm-hmm. when they're in positions of power yeah. of molestation or whatever, because they, they coiled something that became a demon that could have been a beautiful, true part of who they are. It became a demon because they, it's like you take a beautiful animal, mm-hmm. a dog. If you lock it up in the basement and beat it, guess what? It's going to fucking bite you and give yeah. you rabies. But if you treat it with love and it's it's your best friend, it's part of the family, you know, like mm-hmm. the way you treat something affects how it responds. And so anyway, mm-hmm. that's that's like a long story. But really, my I almost lost a best friend out of being dishonest with myself and just mm-hmm. and really what's interesting is waiting for God to do the work. Oh. I was like, God, you fit, you tell me what to do. I'm just going to wait as opposed to walking in faith, as opposed to believing that like being a man with character and and stepping forward into like i i'm gonna be i'm gonna be this thing and then god if this is wrong you're gonna instruct me that's what you do but if it's right you're gonna the fruits of the spirit are going to radiate out of me which is what happened Mm. when i finally you know yeah owned yourself yeah exactly and i think that's this that is the story like i always do like i uh, i just did a video about this um but about if we're talking about teaching and uh good fruit versus bad fruit like a good tree is going to give you good fruit a bad tree is going to give you bad fruit Mm -hmm. i always go back to it like if the fruit of not being able to live into our god-given sexuality is um you know crossing boundaries that we ought not to be crossed um uh, lying and deception, um, all these different like horrible, horrible things. It's just like, you know, it's not being queer. That's a sin. It's the fact that you're lying. Yeah. Like it's not the fact that like, you know, you, uh, queer being a sin. It's the fact that like you are, um, you know, using your body in, in ways that you really don't want to do, but you're like, you're like, you have this craving and this like legitimate need that you're, that you have to sneak around to meet. And it's, uh, well, and it's what exactly what it is is that it's mistakes of causality. So, like, it's so funny. Like in the gay community, like uh, the older generation or people, or they're like, "Well, you know, there's hypersexuality, there's STDs, there's HIV. You see, God is showing you that this quote unquote lifestyle mm-hmm. is dangerous." And I'm like, that, "That's a mistaken causality because what happens is you're not." being given authentic expression of a deep human need so it so it's exploding out of oppression in it's a rejection of oppression which causes the caricature of emotions right i mean you see that's a word (laughs) you know say that say that one more time just so we can get it i don't I don't remember. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> I'm such I'll a processor. You'll, it's you'll okay. To... We're gonna go back and listen to it. We're gonna put it in a quotable. Put it on the Instagram. <laughs> but that, I mean, you think about so much of like these, you know, queer spaces from like the '90s and even today are so 
exuberant and so expressive and so hypersexual and all these things that to me when I was figuring out were very off-putting because I was trained to fear them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's these it's these sweet boys from Oklahoma who were like so picked on, so oppressed that they said, fuck you, mom and dad. I'm going to West Hollywood and I'm wearing angel wings and a thong and covering myself in glitter. And it it's it's this amazing, complex omelet mixed together of rejection of where you're coming from and love of self and finally you can have sex with who you want to finally you can you know it's this whole thing where if people are just allowed the freedom to be themselves authentically you don't Mm -hmm. have i mean it's interesting i mean we can go on a whole other tangent which is actually communities built out of rejection of a a response to oppression often create some of the best culture in history because Mm -hmm. they're refined like and crushed like a diamond. Yes. So, I mean, from African-American spirituals that like, I mean, all these things that like came from the worst circumstance. Mm -hmm. And so, so much amazing queer culture comes from the fact that it is a forced, it's refined by oppression. Yeah. Which is just a weird thing to say thank you for, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's like where like there's the, the teaching of um, every bit of suffering is your teacher. Mm, yeah. Um, which I think is something from A Course in Miracles. I haven't read it, but I have a bunch of friends who have. Neither have like, I. We should. You want to start a book club? <laughs> you know, I have to be truthful with my words. I say that all the time and I never succeed. So I don't want to lead you astray. I want to start a book club, but I won't because I'll get oh. distracted by something else shiny. Oh, same thing. I'm just like, oh my gosh, that sounds like such a cool idea. And then yeah. like some like this is like I would say like my podcast, my YouTube channel, and my blog are the only like creative things I've been able to keep up with. I'm just like, I'm gonna go start this T-shirt line on the side, and like and that's the three th- the three things is a lot. Yeah, and starting you Anything? know and being in grad school. Oh, it's absolutely it's it's all the things and it's all the things. I need to learn how to stay in my lane and not overpromise what I can't deliver. But you know we're uh, <laughs> we're working on. um anyways uh i know that we're coming up on time and uh i do you want to be friends i just think you're really you're so cool oh my gosh isn't it amazing what a voice conveys though it's like i don't even really know what you look like but i know that i know you oh it's like our souls have known each other from a past life i know you know the word anna you know that term anamkara i do not Oh my God, you're going to love this. Okay. Buckle up. It's like a two minute story. Okay, so I'm ready. I, I think it's Celtic tradition. So one of those like green rolling hill places in Scotland or Ireland or somewhere in their, in their like pre-Christian religion, they had a concept called Anamkara, which means soul friend. Mm. And what it meant was souls are eternal and they float up in the sky always until God chooses them to come down and put them in bodies and when you get put in a body it's like sort of like amnesia you forget where you came from but your soul will recognize certain things Mm -hmm. and so sometimes you'll meet someone in life and you've never seen them before you've never met met them before and yet your souls recognize each other and they're like there you are like we we knew each other 
from before we were put on this planet. Our souls mm-hmm. are old friends. Yeah. Isn't that a lovely concept? And it rings true with certain people that you meet. Yeah, absolutely. Like I am all like, about Oh, we're that. old friends. Yeah. It's because it's like, it's very cute. And I often think honestly, like that's how many, so many of like my queer, my queer activist friends, especially queer Christian activist friends, like mm. we will know each other. Like for example, like over the summer, we, a bunch of us, there was like maybe like 15 of us, got together in the woods in, in Tennessee and just had a retreat for the sake of having a retreat. And I hadn't known like maybe two of them except for through Twitter. But mm. like, it was one of those things like, because like we share not only this common struggle, um, I think, but I think there's something on the spiritual level that's there. We're just mm. Anamkara. I know. And this, and, and on the spiritual level, but also, like there is such a peace in being able to, to have people understand your language. And, mm-hmm. and when you are raised in the way that we were raised, there's certain things we say, even just like, you know, I was so blessed to be here. You know, it, there's certain language that to somebody that wasn't raised that way is alien to them. Mm-hmm. And, and just a posture of gratitude, a posture of wonder, of like all these things. It's so nice to be amongst kindred journeys. Yeah. And not to mention it's so much easier, like, and this is like totally superficial, I know, but you know, I like to live in both worlds, but it's so, I will say it's a little difficult to date non-Christian people, especially being someone who is so involved with like Christian ministry in the world and things like Mm. that, because like, I'll try to explain why I get super jacked up about shit that John Piper says on the internet. And (laughs) I said, I said this to someone and they were just like, who's John Piper? Right. And I'm like, oh my God. You're, you're so like, lucky to not you're know so this. You're so lucky and you don't care. Like you are unaffected by the Nashville statement. You know? Oh my God, the Nashville statement. Bringing it back. Um, but uh, yeah. Do you have any final <laughs> thoughts? Anything you want to tell the people? Any, um, j- do you have any jokes? <laughs> no, I, I really don't. I have a horrible memory for anything except ideas. And what I mean by that is I can't remember song lyrics. I can't remember anything specific, but if you like tell me an idea about something, wherever I heard it, I'll remember exactly where I was, mm-hmm. where I was in the car, what, and I'll never forget it. And I can reconstruct it effortlessly. It's like the human brain is so fascinating. Mm, it really is. But I guess my final thought is just, what a privilege it has been to talk to you. I'm so glad I'm so glad you're promoting conversations like this and I'm just excited for anybody who's like on this wavelength or not to just hang out with us for this hour and enjoy it because I enjoyed it so much. Me too, buddy. That was my conversation with Jedediah Jenkins. You can connect with Jedediah across social media at Jedediah Jenkins. And on his website, JedediahJenkins.com, it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Um, And you can also pick up his book, To Shake the Sleeping Self, wherever you get your books, um, like Barnes & Noble. Get it on Audible. Get it somewhere. Just listen to it. Literally, just like the introduction is just enrapturing. Um, Jed, thanks so much for being on the show. Can't wait to hang out. Come down to Atlanta for Pride. Um, hey, I'm going to Amsterdam for New Year's. Do you want to come? Let me know. Um, 
Also, everyone, I'm going to Amsterdam for New Year's because I can. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, thanks so much for listening to that show. Um, yeah, so now credits and things like that. Uh, a Tiny Revolution is supported by 121 amazing folks on Patreon. And if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a really simple way for you to support the creatives in your life that are making the content that matters. So if you think that this podcast is important, if you love this conversation, if you think that things like uh, telling more queer stories is something that you want to support, you can go over to patreon.com slash Garcia and learn more about it there. We've got some great perks going on. I'm getting ready to send up t-shirts pretty soon because I'm behind on that because I'm a... I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you guys i'm not the best at being a uh patreon person but i'm i'm i do better than some people that's for sure um and there's also a great slack community we have people who are becoming like a part of that which is super fun and super cool um i just really i love it i really love getting to interact with people and knowing who's supporting my work is a really powerful thing because then i know how to shape it and 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 make more of it Um, It allows me to pay my bills and also go to school at the same time without stressing the fuck out. So if you want to support me while I'm going to grad school and also still, you know, keeping up with creative work, this is a great way to do it. Um, Yeah. So you can follow me across social media at the Kevin Garcia at my website, thekevingarcia.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's everything. I'll see you in Orlando in a couple weeks, right? Um, Until next time, drink some water, go see your therapist, uh, move your body, eat something delicious. And go pick up a copy of this book. Read for fun. If you have some time, read for fun. Because Lord knows, now that I've entered grad school, I can barely get in any time to read things. But anyways, I love you so much. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and I'll talk to you next time, hon. Bye.